Welcome to Cradle to the Grave. My name is Jill, and this podcast talks about anything to do with life's milestones, from literally birth to death. Transitions, traditions, life hacks, inspirational men and women, law of attraction and manifestation. Phew, (laughs) that's quite a list. So keep listening and remember to follow this channel if you enjoy these episodes. Now, on with the show. Today, I'm in conversation with Kate Tim and Kate Dyer, the founders of Coffin Club UK. They were wedding celebrants who became funeral celebrants who became frustrated with the way we do death in the UK. They were desperate to break away from the cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all approach of funerals and wanted to empower families to find other ways of celebrating the end of a life that was right for them. Their UK-based DIY coffin scheme was inspired by a build-your-own-coffin project established by a community group of seniors in New Zealand. They describe Coffin Club and its members as makers of fine, affordable, underground furniture. So, let us have a chat. Welcome, Kate and Kate. Thank you. Lovely to be here. It's so great. And I've heard so many wonderful things about you from various people in the celebrancy world and funeral directors world. It was just, I couldn't wait to talk to you. Oh, how lovely. Oh, we think everybody's probably slagging us off, so it's nice to hear that they're not. <laughs> it's true. No, I, I hear only good things, but then good things from the right people, and that's really what matters. So let's let's get into this whole, because when I say coffin club to the uninitiated, they just look at me and say, what is this woman talking about? Do you all go to a place where there's coffins and sit in them and have a cup of tea? Well, no, but maybe you do. So let's talk about what goes on. So first question, and either of you can can answer this or both of you can answer it separately. What is the Coffin Club and why was it set up? Okay, so the Coffin Club is an educational platform to learn about all of the choices that you have around your end of life celebration so that when you're at a point of bereavement and can't think creatively, you're not, what's the word I'm looking channeled. for? Channeled. That's the word. Um, channeled to do something that perhaps you, you don't want to do. Or, for instance, you know, if you're channeled to do 20 minutes up the crematorium um, and that's what you want, that's absolutely fantastic. And we would support you 100%. But if you're only having 20 minutes up the crematorium because you don't know of all the other choices that you have, and there are so many then that is not serving families. You know, we are all going to die. That is a fact, ladies and gentlemen. Spoiler, spoiler alert. (laughs) And so it is a given. And we don't talk about it. We don't think about it. We don't plan it. So what we want to do is get everybody to think about it, talk about it as a normal subject, because it is all going to happen. And then plan cost their perfect send off 
write it down and then get on with living. It's as simple as that. Beautiful. Did you like that? I did. I didn't even feel the urge to butt in. I was like, oh, that's fantastic. Which, can I tell you, is unbelievable because she does just sort of jump in quite a lot. But yeah, well, it's because we absolutely mean it. You know, we talk about it all the time. And, and I think you can hear in our voices that, you know, this, this is a movement we are talking about. We are fed up. We've had enough. So we are yeah, getting on with it and we want to get the word out to you all. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. Passion. laughs> Hallelujah. Amen to that. Hallelujah, first of all. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is my experience of coming into the industry relatively recently and, and as a bizarre time it has to be said during a, a blooming pandemic and and it strikes me talking to various people over the years that having to deal with a funeral when you weren't expecting it for a long time I can't even imagine how that felt and then to have to rush it through quite possibly to never see the body again of the person never having said goodbye to it and then to be in a situation where you haven't got time or maybe even the money to look at what can be done, to see what options are. And of course, as we recognise, there are many traditional funeral directors and companies in this country who, although they say they can offer all these different things, when it comes to sitting in, in their offices, unless you raise the subject, did you know you can have an eco-friendly coffin or whatever, they're not going to mention it. Which is part of that education in, in a broader sense. So I think your initiative is outstandingly brilliant. And I mean, maybe even one day it will be part of the national curriculum. I mean, well, it, it actually should be, shouldn't it? I mean, you know, as Kate said, we are all going to die in this country. We're not very good about talking about things that have strong emotions attached to them. So we're very reluctant to talk about death. And as a result, it means that certain people have managed to corner the market, if you like. And it's become pretty much the tail wagging the dog to a certain extent. You know, there are fantastic funeral directors out there. There really are. And we are not anti-funeral director at all. But I think we also have to acknowledge that there is also a degree of um, doing something the way it's always been done because it's always been done that way. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way. And... I think there's room for choice because it's horses for courses. And like Kate says, if you were given every choice under the sun and you then said, do you know what? I've I've looked at dancing girls and fire eaters in a woodland glade. I've looked at a lovely barn funeral. Um, I've looked at a natural burial ground. I've looked at a parading round a field. And I've decided that the thing that's right for me is... Uh, very conventional crematorium send-off. That's absolutely brilliant. But I think most people are having a crematorium send-off because they have absolutely no idea that you can do anything else. Lots of people think there are laws in existence that are not in existence. You know, it's the law that you have to have your ceremony at the crematorium. It's the law that you have to use a funeral director. It's the law that you have to use some sort of celebrant. Well, it isn't. 
So there's not a right or wrong way. That's not what Coffin Club is saying. We're just saying there are myriad choices and people should know them and be informed before they make a decision. Because otherwise what happens is people come across us and they say, um, oh, I wish I'd known all this when my dad died. I wish I'd known all this when my mum died. I wish I'd known all this when my sister died. Well, you can know all this. You just have to start talking. <laughs> because then it empowers people. It empowers people to take control and also helps with the grieving process. So it's, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's a much bigger thing. I mean, like um, our patron, Miriam Margulies said, everybody who's going to die should come to the coffin club yes you should yeah it's about taking ownership and like kate says really plays an important part in the grieving process which is not to say that we don't as you say completely understand that if it's an unexpected death and you are at the most vulnerable and deranged with grief point in your life you know and exhausted I completely and utterly understand why you would hand your money over and say, do you know what, just sort this out for me. I can't do it. I absolutely understand that. And there's no judgment on that. But that's why we need to get people earlier down the line. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I liken it to, you know, if you're going to, you have a wedding planner sometimes, you know, and, and you put a lot of effort because the wedding isn't just for the couple, it's for the visitors as well, the guests for their experience. It's an experiential moment. Likewise with death, it's not just about the person that, that has died. It is also the transition for the affected people, whoever they are, be it one person or a hundred people, there is that transition. So in a sense, if one were to encourage the individual to plan their funerals and discuss it, then the combination of the ideas then becomes not a decision that has to be made in a rush when you're at your worst ebb it is something that is in place and it's just encouraging those people I just want to um, read a quote from one of your lovely uh, I don't know what to call them customers clients clubbers we call them clubbers <laughs> clubbers um, it says, I should be talking more openly to my family now about funerals and arrangements, and I can now put down in writing exactly what I'd like my funeral to be. And I'm aware of all the alternative funeral arrangements I can have. Brilliant. I mean, that's exactly, that's what you set out to achieve. Oh. Completely. And, and also, I mean, you can tell me if this happens or not. What kind of people come to a coffin club? Is it just people who are more elderly or who have been diagnosed and are approaching that moment of, of dying? Or give me an idea, who comes? Everybody's had some sort of experience with, with death and losing a loved one. Um, I mean, the majority of our clubbers are older, but we do have younger people that perhaps have gone through the experience of having to uh, bury their mother or father and had a very bad experience and don't want that for themselves. So want to educate themselves and put it down in writing so that they can get on with it. So you, we never know who's coming through the door. It's, it's really interesting. Um, every course we've run, I think I'm right in saying we've had one person at least who's terminally ill. So, yeah, it would be logical that if you are actually 
staring into the abyss if you would come to Coffin Club. And, you know, that's been remarkable. You know, one guy, he wanted to be buried on his own land. He wasn't sure if that was something he could do because he had a big field behind his house. And, yeah, it was really easy. So we just talked him through that and he ended up having a spectacular funeral started in the village hall which was next door to his house with the ceremony he was drummed across to the place of burial with these Indian drummers that were just amazing his family did the lowering of his coffin which his family had decorated because he'd come to coffin club um, and he was going to decorate his coffin but he was really too poorly So his family had stuck maps of everywhere he'd been because he'd been really well-travelled and um, tickets from gigs and festivals that he'd gone to because that was, he was really into his music. So it was just fantastic. And what he said to us was he was resigned to having 20 minutes at the crematorium with a do in a local pub or village hall afterwards because that was all he knew. And then from this question, oh, can I be buried on my own land? This whole other um, way of doing it emerged. And how, what a gift to be able to give him at the end of his life. And what a wonderful thing for his family to be able to do for him. You know, it was so meaningful to them in a way That's not to say he wouldn't have had a beautiful service at the crematorium. I'm sure he would. But this felt much more fitting to the kind of man that he was. And I think maybe was more helpful, if that's the right word, to his family in the long run. I think that this is exactly the point I was making, is it's not just about the person who has died. This is about creating a very important moment of transition. And if it's as positive as possible and as beautiful as as possible, according to everyone's needs and wishes, what more can you ask for? So um, again, I wanted to sort of quote something which will probably lead us on to the next part of our discussion. You describe the coffin uh, club and its members as makers of fine, affordable underground furniture. I mean, hello. I mean, that in itself is such a great description. So let's have a little look at at all. Let's talk about, because we can't see it, obviously. What are the coffins made of? How do they arrive? What happens once it's been constructed and and prepared and decorated? Well, they've evolved. And um, just to say that not everyone makes a coffin who comes to Coffin Club. In fact, the majority of people don't. The majority of people come for the educational side to plan and cost and organise their perfect send-off. Um, then a few people choose to also decorate their coffin. And the coffin has evolved. At first, it was a cardboard coffin, um, which was very bulky for them to store and difficult to store because you have to have it somewhere very dry and all of that. So then we hooked up with a Dutch company called Coffin in a Box. And it's basically like a Ikea style. It comes flat packed. You can put it together with an Allen key. It's made of ply. The best thing about it is it has weight bearing handles. 
so that a family don't have to shoulder a coffin like pallbearers. They can just carry it at hip height. And there's less glue in it, isn't it? There's less less shoe than in a pair of shoes. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> it is fabulous. And he's he's actually been changing the mod, the model as we've gone along as well. Um, and uh, we did get to a point that we could actually put them together. Was it three minutes? Yeah, we got really super speedy at whacking a coffin together. Yeah. Um, but now we recommend people don't put them together. We recommend they paint the panels flat, put it back in the box, and that it's only put together when at a point of need. But also we're very careful to say to people, do you know what? We can't guarantee what laws will change in the future around coffins. We can't guarantee that you're not going to get a lot fatter. So, you know, only get the coffin if you've got a couple of hundred quid to spare and you're, you understand that in the final moment you might not be able to use it. So people do know that going into it because other people say, oh, yeah, but, you know, you don't know, you know, you don't know if you're going to be blown up in a huge gas explosion and not need a coffin. <laughs> that, that said, some of our clubbers have um, put the coffin together and kept it together and tucked it underneath the bed. Um, one of our clubbers used it to uh, put a towel and bed linen in. So, you know, there are there are different uses for it as well. It's um and the, and the process itself, you know, that's kind of part of the process. The the thinking about how you would decorate your coffin focuses your mind <laughs> uh, on what's been important in your life. So even that, we have invited speakers who come and talk about all the different choices available to you and the various um aspects of dying and uh end of life celebration and then the people who are staying to decorate the coffin they continue those conversations they're busy painting they're busy doing they're using a different part of their brain and they continue to chat about the stuff they've learned so it's kind of it's got a, another therapeutic layer to it if I may and say. And also if I can just sort of say having your own you know a decorated coffin central to proceedings in for instance a beautiful barn completely changes the atmosphere um people aren't afraid of it they go and touch it they go and talk to it they'll talk to the person they are then central to proceedings. Children are running round. Um, you know, you can put things that reminded you of that person on top of it. People can write on it. People can talk about it. It's all, you know, that, that person is, is there throughout and then at the bonfire afterwards. So they're part of the whole day in one place, not shuffling from one place to another. Um, and I can, you know, we're not, we're not even talking about massive steps, just changing the venue or having a coffin that represents the person that isn't a scary wooden box so you've seen the person alive one minute and the next time you could just imagine them in this box it changes everything and people always also say oh my god that was the best funeral ever that's what I want and that's what we want to get out there. It's fascinating isn't it because I hadn't been to that many funerals before I decided to train but each one I went was quite a serious 
coffin involved. And that in itself sort of, I, I don't know, sort of one immediately thinks, oh, there's a dead body in there and do I want to go near it? And it's, it's that scary moment. Even if you knew the person and adored them, it's still that, mm. whereas recently I conducted a funeral and the, uh, the person was in a beautiful wicker coffin. And immediately it softens the feeling of when it enters and then the family, you know, were able to just go and gather around it and just like pat it and say goodbye. And it didn't feel like it was a scare. It's just about creating a different atmosphere and feel. But I think, as you say, it's it sounds like it's quite a therapeutic experience, Coffin Club. It has I realise now it's not just about going and building your coffin. That's kind of just a an added bonus. In a sense, it's almost like a a practical death cafe. That's yeah. almost exactly hitting the nail on the head, Jill. Where I mean, we think death cafe is a wonderful movement. We think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, but it's it, it's esoteric. It's you know it's talking about uh, death in a kind of abstract um, way, and we're very we think it's great to open up conversations about death and dying in any way. As far as we're concerned, is brilliant. But coffin club, yeah, it has a complete practical bent to it. So you are meant to be actually planning and yeah, looking at all the practical aspects of that and you know just going back to where you're saying about the coffin and you know uh, in terms of funerals it's it's not that we are throwing the baby out with the bathwater. you know it's not that we're suddenly saying every funeral should be Put the fun in funerals yeah we're not saying that it, yeah. It's not that we're going, oh, yeah, dancing girls, fire eaters. Oh, let's all skip around naked and burn sage. You know, we're not saying that. The fundamental journey of a, a funeral service, we believe, is a, a pretty good one. It, it's not broke. You don't need to fix it. But some of the trappings, um, which are, are right for some people, the Victoriana, the, the gentleman dressed as a Dickensian, you know, the limo hearse, the faux mahogany coffin with the plastic brass handles. Okay, for some people, that's absolutely what signals respect for them. That kind of tradition is important to them, and that's the funeral they should have. But for Kate and I, when we first started being funeral celebrants, within about 10 minutes, we both went, would you want this? And we were both like, no, I, this is not the funeral that I would want for me. I don't want that box. I don't want the Victorian gent. I don't want the limo hearse. You know, it, it it's maybe generational, but maybe it, it's not. But, you know, I, I think people now, they know they've got choice in almost every aspect of their life. Um, so why, when it comes to their death but their choice is suddenly so limited and you know it is about what what is a signifier of respect you know it those traditional signifiers of respect yes we get them we understand them and that is respectful and for some people that's the right way of doing it but for others of us you know respect is about really reflecting that person and that setup would not reflect me, for example. It would be completely 
the absolute polar opposite of what I would want for my end of life celebration. The benchmark, as it were, has changed. And although some people would term the benchmark as the respectful way of sending someone off, well, who made that rule? I mean, it's, it was, it's a patriarchal, very ancient sort of industry. Let's face it. Right on, sister. Yeah. Smash the patriarchy. And the fact that we have such a minuscule amount of, of, of female funeral directors or female-led uh, funeral companies is such an indicator of that. But the fact that it's growing and uh, it is interesting and also the process of dying, in a sense, is the same as the process of giving birth. There is this massive movement from one place to another in terms of consciousness. Who gives birth? It is the, the woman that physically delivers the body out of her body. And so that nurturing aspect, and I know I'm speaking on generalized terms and people will philosophically argue this one out, but the body comes out of the female body. Great. So when it comes to the nurturing of the end of life, why isn't it the woman that is the person that, in a sense, sees that transition through? Now, if you've got, you know, these very kindly but sort of slightly staid men who are sitting at your graveside and being all very serious and organizing it all, that kind of doesn't relate to me in terms of the nurture and the love. And in terms of respect... I mean, who's to say what's, as you say, who's to say what's respectful, you know, as, as a person of slightly sort of bohemian nature and, and colour and, 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 and love of everything creative, if someone wants to respect my life, they'll chuck me in a leopard print box, colour it in and put me on the side to dry in, in the sun and, and the birds may come and feast upon me. Leave it with us, Jill. We can sort that out for you. Because <laughs> I'm exactly, exactly. And to me, that's my benchmark of respect. Now, Coffin Club, it seems to me, is saying, you know, that's okay for those that feel that's what's applicable. But did you know? And it, it, it suits the traditional part of the industry to carry on the way it's carrying on because it's easy, it's planned, it's cost-effective, it's uncomplicated, and 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 why do anything else? Exactly, they yeah. had it their own way for quite a long time. I mean, it's you know we are about disrupting the status quo, but but also reflecting back on what you've said about you know um, women, and if we look back in order to go forward, women were very much part of um, the the care of the dead and the dying and the laying out and the organising and the send off. Um, that's how it would have been, you know, way, way back. My grandmother was the, the woman in the village who helped women to give birth and then also laid out the dead, helped at both ends of the, the spectrum of life. It is about that, you know, before the NHS, people would have died at home all the time. They'd, where else would they be? So, you know, it, it's about looking back in order to go forward and we're not, you know, again, we're not saying, yeah, you'll need to start keeping your dead at home. But we're saying, 
did you know that you could do that? And that for some people, that might be a really cathartic thing. You know, we have a, a woman called Claire Power, great name, who comes to speak at Coffin Club. And she kept her husband at home after he died over a Maybank holiday weekend. And she said the main thing it did was give her time. It gave her time to say goodbye to him. She didn't hang out with him the whole time, but she popped in and out. She was the one who then put the lid on his coffin. You know, that final act of love and of saying goodbye. And like Kate said earlier, you know, we have seen families at a funeral literally recoil when the coffin comes out of the hearse because the last time they saw that person was when they were either dying or they'd literally just died. And then the next time they see them, it's this wooden box. And it's, you know, it's a shock to them. Whereas she had gone through this whole process with him, you know, they'd had him on a, a hospital bed. They used the sheet to then lift him into the coffin where they then um, kept him at home. People who wanted to come and see him could. Not everybody wanted to. He didn't booze. You know, all these these myths. OK, he didn't. He, you know, he didn't smell all, all these worries and myths that people think. Um, and she said, you know, and she looks like your nan. She's not woo-woo. She's not out there. She says it as it is. She did it herself. And it almost gives permission to our covers that absolutely an empowerment that we can do this too. If Claire can do it, we can do yeah. it. It's like a final gift to the, the, the person that has died. It's like, this is the last thing I can do for you out of love, not about respect even, it's just out of the love. And it could be it could be a friend. It doesn't even have to be a family member, as we know. Um, now, obviously, we are still today is what the 8th of April 2021. We are speaking in the midst of a lockdown of sorts, although restrictions are being lifted. But this last year has been quite something historically for all of us. Now, presumably, Coffin Club in its physical form had to stop because we weren't allowed out of our houses and mixing. We understand that. But did it strike you during the pandemic that this was almost the moment, in a sense, to springboard into a new era of how we deal with preparation for that eventuality and Actually, we could, without being crass about it and, and seen to be, you know, scene stealing during terrible times, it's almost like if we don't take this moment to expand that conversation whilst people are so fresh and visceral, when are we going to do it? And, and how do you envisage now moving forward that we can grab onto this momentum? Yeah, I mean, I think COVID um, and how the funerals have had to uh run has has changed it forever and people have questioned it i mean it's in some ways when it was restricted that you could only have a certain number of people um to the to the service in some ways that was a good thing and many families actually said well, we can only have who we really want there and um and really concentrate on, on what, what we want to do so good has come out of it but I think it's given us 
a, a moment to stop and think and reevaluate what where we wanted Coffee and Club to go and what we wanted to offer families. I think Kate um, had a, a very tricky time. Uh, I, I'm not going to speak for you because you can explain the situation through COVID, which yeah made us take stock and made us realise quite how important this this movement is. I'll I'll let you explain, Kate. Well, yeah, my daughter was very poorly at the beginning of the first lockdown, which was kind of a double-edged sword because everything had stopped. Our wedding ceremonies had stopped and Coffin Club had stopped. So actually, I just put my mum hat on for about six or seven months. So Coffin Club really went completely on ice. We just sort of just said, okay, it's there, we'll come back to it, but I need to focus on something else right now. But like Kate says, in terms of funerals, Sometimes when they were really pared down, that was really actually quite nice for some families that it was just them. I think for others, they were, they said, you know, there would have been 200 people here. He had so many, you know, he's in so many clubs. He was a member of so many things. And and it did feel like a compromise for them. And some people said, oh, yeah, you know, next year we'll do a big kind of rehash of it. I don't know if they they will. I don't know if they'll have it in them to do that when the time comes to kind of revisit dredge, dredge it all back mm-hmm. up. For some people, they might because they might be able to really find that as a true celebration. But for others, I think it will be difficult. So sorry, we're sort of meandering, aren't we? Um. So, uh, but ultimately, death has been brought very much to the front of our consciousness and our mortality has been writ large. So I do think in attempting to finally answer your question, Jill, um, that people, yeah, people who have been happy to just skip through life going, okay, yeah, I know I'm going to die, but, you know, I can sort of act like... Yeah, I don't have to really acknowledge it because it's probably not me that's going to have the, you know, the sort of Damocles hanging over me anytime soon. I've sort of been brought up a bit short and gone, wow, this can just happen. So in terms of Coffin Club, as you say, not wishing to, you know, in any way capitalise on something that's so awful. But at the same time, yeah, if you. If this year hasn't made you aware of your mortality, I really don't know what will. (laughs) So, yes, come to Coffin Club now that you realise you actually are going to die. I love this discussion and it's odd. And I I sort of self-criticise myself when I say things like this. Oh, how can you say you love to talk about death and dying? Well, actually, it's such a vocation that, you know, the commitment to doing it as beyond as well as you can is it's visceral for me it's it's beyond vocation it's it's it comes out of love and care and and that's okay I'm allowed to feel that way you know whether I get any work as a result is a whole nother ball game but we all have we'll have a talk about the celebrity industry another time however coffin clubs when before the pandemic Coffin clubs were starting to pop up in various parts of the country. And obviously there's a mechanism by which that was able to happen because there's no way you could go and run them all over the place. That's not possible. So 
what was or is going to be hopefully the mechanism whereby you can find a coffin club how many are available how can it grow so uh, the mechanism is the same as before um, in terms of we're the umbrella organisation and then the other clubs train with us and sit underneath. They're part of our family, our gang. So, yeah, if you go to the main Coffin Club website, www.coffinclub.co.uk or Facebook Coffin Club, or Instagram at Coffin Club UK. You can get hold of us and you can have a look on the website and see if there's a coffin club near you. Um, if you want to set up a coffin club, you can train with us. We're doing our next masterclass on the 14th of June. So get in touch with us through any of the above things. And we also now do um, what we call Celebrant Plus training which is for already qualified celebrants who are shall we say a little bit frustrated with the current model and want to maybe think about a different model so just disrupting the paradigm a wee bit and that's first running on the 7th and 8th of June so yeah we're we're you know we are really excited about the future of Coffin Club because we think people are catching on to this vibe and understanding. Yeah, Every time somebody comes to uh, an alternative funeral, like Kate said earlier, they go, wow, this is the best funeral I've, I've ever been to. And they also say, I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know that you could do this. This has absolutely blown my mind. And you know that they are going to go off and tell another 10, 20 people about it. And they're going to become evangelical because this stuff is really important. It's really big and people get it. And also, can I say, as talking with the celebrant hat on, also, we want to work with funeral directors, not for funeral directors. That's what we want to do. And we also want... To, to let other celebrants know that this is what should be happening. And so we've put our head above the parapet. Is that the right word? Yes. Sometimes I get my words mixed up. Mm -hmm. We've put our head above it and we want to almost start a movement with celebrants and to change the way funeral directors and celebrants work because ultimately we're working for families not for funeral Yeah, directors. and all of us together. And if we work together, that will give the best outcome for families. It's not a race to the bottom. It's so interesting because I, in my short career, <laughs> have encountered some very interesting attitudes, um, which I probably won't sort of illustrate right now. However, there is an antithesis, shall we say, being kind from the sort of older established um, celebrants who see the influx of newbies, as we are called, as quite worrying and scary. And they like to think that maybe we're not as good. We're not as well trained. We're fly by nights. We're in it for the money. We've grabbed it because of the pandemic. But they're scared. They're scared. And it's a case, I think, of a combination of things is that possibly they need to be more progressive and up their game and be self-educated on the more that is available. Stop being a template. I'm going to get crucified for this list, I know, but I don't care. 
I'm like, I'm glad she's saying it and not us. <laughs> Well, you know, I choose to raise my head about uh, above the parapet because, you know, I'm shocked, frankly, to break into um, the funeral industry. Goodness me, it shouldn't be this hard. I understand why it's hard and I'm getting that information very quickly. So I would say I support everything you have just said and that I would absolutely be part of that gang that wants to make a change. And it's it can be done kindly, but it needs to happen. Oh, completely. I mean, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be as celebrants competing in that way either. This kind of scrabbling for crumbs off the funeral director's table, you know, it it's not raising us as a profession. It's pushing us down. It's squashing us. Um, we are the celebrant plus course is about autonomy authenticity and creativity and it's not about taking cookies round to funeral directors because that automatically puts you on a different level and that is also about misogyny in my opinion so if we're talking about the patriarchy you know have the little women bring their biscuits round and beg for work it's just appalling and i don't know any other don't take your yeah. biscuits. I tried still. that. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you go on the information that, that pe- experienced people tell you. And to be honest with you, after three visits with boxes of biscuits and no work from these people, I thought, well, that's a blooming waste of time. And they saw me coming. They saw me coming. But, you know, we, we do what we can during a pandemic. We're not, e- not even supposed to be going into someone's shop anyway, you know. And I've tried other ways, uh, but. I think what's coming out of this conversation and others that I'm starting to have is that maybe what I need to do is set up a a panel webinar about exactly this and um, and 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 start you know getting that helping getting that discussion because you've already started the discussion that's not my my precipitation but I think you know let's get that information out there in so many ways <laughs> um, so. Gosh, I mean, you've had so many wonderful testimonials. And when people go on your website, you know, they can see for themselves. uh, It's an extraordinary thing that you started. And and I'm very minded to start a coffin club in my neck of the woods because there isn't one. And um, why not? You've mentioned the website already and that people can reach out to you. And I can guarantee that you are very responsive. Your new website's lovely. I know you've been working on it and you do respond very quickly, which is fantastic because a lot of people don't. That's lovely. What I would say is that we've kind of already touched on change in the industry and, and without getting too deep into it. That's another discussion, but we recognise that change is needed and, and we will be part of that change, I, I, I feel sure. So in terms of your hopes for the future and your plans currently, when would you, I know it's hard to predict, when would you hope that coffin clubs can start to operate again on a physical level or is that a long way ahead? Well, that's kind of up to Boris, isn't it? As soon as you're allowed to gather in any amount of numbers, albeit whether you need to show you're vaccinated or whatever. It, it's down to the, the the law of the land rather than us. Um, our clubs around the country are chop, chomping at the bit to get going, but we're, you know, we've got to follow the rules like everybody else. 
But like I say, we're continuing training people to set up and run the clubs so that we're ready to hit the ground running once we're allowed to do so. And we'll be doing, because we still do Hastings, you know, we keep our own club going, clearly. That will be happening in the autumn if we're allowed to do so. So, you know, we we still are doing the grassroots thing because we really, really believe in it. You know, we've seen some totally transformational things. You know, we had a woman come to Coffin Club, Sheila, and um, she'd had her 75th birthday and she'd gone into an absolute tailspin. She'd thought, oh my God, I'm 75. I'm going to die. I haven't put anything in place. I haven't talked to my children. They don't know what I want. I don't really know what I want. And it was it was really, really like, you know, she was losing sleep over it. Mm. And then she came to Coffin Club. She did decorate her own coffin. We've got photos from the last day where we have a tea party and there's all the like the the sausage rolls and the mini Swiss rolls on top of coffins with glasses of Prosecco and cups of tea. And her son was there, who she hadn't been able to broach these conversations with. He's there helping her dismantle her coffin and put it in the box. She basically said, "Um, I'm completely a different person. I feel totally relaxed. It's all organised. I've spoken to my son and daughter about it. I'm not going to think about it anymore. I'm just going to get on with the rest of my life. And that was absolute validation for us. You know, not that we needed it, but that was just kind of like a complete, wow, this is life-changing, literally. It is transformational work. Now, just on the side in terms of financial accessibility, if you go to a coffin club, is there any kind of donation or membership? Well, each one is autonomous. So we don't dictate what people charge because they know their area and also they get different amounts of funding. So some might be better off than others. Uh, At ours, it started out for free (laughs) Um, until Kate and I basically when we're going to lose our houses if we carry on like this so we started charging five pounds a week Jill uh yes which we we need to reassess and see whether that needs to go up a little bit or down a little bit you know it was for a six-week course three hours a week it was pretty bargain but equally we had people come for free. They didn't have to be means tested. They didn't have to prove it. They just had to say, do you know what? I'm a very poor person. And we would say, that's fine. Come and do it for nothing. And if you want to do a coffin, clearly you pay for your coffin. But we get a discounted rate for coffin club. Yeah, it's they're not they're not for profit organizations, coffin clubs. They're, you know, they're evangelical organizations. They're not about it's a franchise but not a business model not a money-making franchise it's a franchise of people who are really passionate about this particular message it's basically cheap's chips and what we would like what we would envisage is that there are coffin clubs all over the country that are educating everybody about all of their options 
so that um, in, say, 10 years' time, that Coughing Club doesn't need to exist anymore because everybody knows everything they need to know. Oh, I, I think you'll always be there, frankly, because it's it's such a genius thing. Um, in terms of the training classes and the master classes um, to learn to run a coughing club and also your Celebrancy Plus training, what kind of fees are involved? The masterclass is a one-day course, and that's four hundred pounds. The Celebrant Plus course is a two-day course, and that's eight hundred pounds. If you do both, you get a bit of a dunny discount on the the Lucy bone. Yeah, you do on uh, the deal, the package, and they're going to run kind of throughout the year. There'll be two masterclasses a year, and the Celebrant Plus. I think there's going to be about four to six of those. We we got to gauge it, seeing how many, you know, how much interest we've we've got, really. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I'm I'm compl- I, I wanted to start a coffin club before I even spoke to you. Once I sort of read your website, and now it's like, yes, I am desperate. I am completely desperate. <laughs> Well, we'll see you on yeah. June the fourteenth, Jill. And what else? Just to add to. Uh, uh, if running a coughing club, because you have speakers from different um, industry experts, your knowledge increases. So you're hearing, you know, so you actually do become an expert in your field because you're hearing it from every, you know, death doulas and uh, conventional funeral directors and the manager of your local uh, crematorium. Uh, you, you find out the information that way as well. Yeah, and as a celebrant, it does kind of promote you, you know, your your celebrant business as well. Um, and it advocates a kind of best practice. You know, it, it's about your professional development. It's about promoting yourself. It's about your community knowing that you're the kind of go-to death person. You know, Kate and I will be in Sainsbury's and someone will go, oh, you're the coffin girls, you're the coffin girls. Yeah, I do. It's really funny. I think that's adorable. I mean, you know, I couldn't just see myself walking down the high street here in South London and people say, oh, no, that's the death girl. And everyone runs a mile. (laughs) And, And it is also about knowing your worth. It is about knowing your worth. There's so many more strings, you know, that attach to it. it it's so true. And, um, you know, keeping the faith, you know, when you first come into the business, and I'm sure when you're still in the business, it's that constant, like, keep reminding yourself, there's a reason you're doing this. And even if the work dries up in the busiest time in the business and you're not getting it, it's like, you know, it's not necessarily about you. Um, and, you know, that will go into the the next set of discussions, I'm sure. Yeah, we can have a whole celebrant-based discussion on another day. It needs to be done. It really does. Uh, I mean, there's a whole documentary just waiting to be made, and I'm the girl to do it. Look, Kate's, lovely Kate's, Kate, Kate, Kate and Kate. Kate's time to Kate squared. (laughs) I know, it's it's lovely. And if people could see your beautiful faces as well, it's cheered me up no end. Oh, our lockdown hair. We're quite quite pleased no one can see us. Oh, no, don't be silly. You're lovely. You're gorgeous. I'm so grateful to you. I, I can't tell you. This is a conversation I've been wanting for some while. I want to thank you so much on behalf of everyone who's going to be listening to this now and in the future for doing what you do, for opening the discussion, as you say, putting your head 
a, you know, above the parapet. Long may it stay there and continue to rise into the ether as your work begins to grow and, and, and transform this bizarre, strange industry. It's time for that transformation. Any parting words from you both? I mean, if, if you take anything from this hour of listening, anybody just go away, talk, plan, cost, and think about your, your perfect send-off. Talk about it. Just talk about it normally. That, you know, if they can take one thing, that's what I would like you all to do. Um, yeah, same as that. Let's, let's bring ownership back and uh, normalise all this stuff because we are all going to die. Strange that, isn't it? Who'd have thought? <laughs> I, I know it's quite sobering. I'm turning 60 in, in a few weeks' time and, and I never thought I'd reach 40 or 50. The fact I reached 60 is quite sobering. And then it's like, ah, okay, we got over that sort of midlife hump. Now it's like, Rrr. but actually, you know, these discussions make me realize that there's a lot of good life left in me. And, and whatever happens at the end, I will have organized it. Well, ladies, I'm going to love you and leave you. And I hope the next time we talk, we will be sort of much further into reviving, you know, life. Uh, you know, on a more sort of, you know, free basis. That would be so special and lovely. But um, for now, I would like to thank, I was going to call you the Coffin Club sisters. And in a way, you are sisters in the heart. Thank you so much for all your work and for your time. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much. Bye. Well, that's the end of this brilliant and enlightening discussion with Kate Dyer and Kate Tim, the founders of The Coffin Club. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast channel where you'll be notified of future uploads. I appreciate you spending time with us and look out for the new episode coming soon.